Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to uh, the next episode of The Ask. Uh, So glad that you could be a part of this. Uh, Our special guest today is Ken Roach our Director of Media Ministries. How are you doing, Ken? Doing good. Good to be here. Well, uh, in this podcast, we're looking at different questions that people have for the Bible, and uh, today is a big one, so I hope you're ready for this, Ken, is that uh, the question basically is, is, is the God of the Old Testament different than the God of the New Testament that is revealed in Jesus? And this is kind of this idea of uh, how are the Old and New Testaments congruent or incongruent? Um, sometimes the depictions of that we see of God seems very different than what we see in the life and teachings of Jesus. And so how do those coincide? Uh, do they, or is it just two different versions of the same God? Uh, I think is a question that people often ask. And I get this a lot as a pastor, particularly when people start reading their Bible the first time and they start reading the Old Testament for the first time. Uh, it certainly can be jarring. And I think the big picture that that we're going to paint today and go with is is a is that you cannot understand the New Testament apart from the Old Testament. You cannot understand who Jesus is and what he came to do apart from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. So uh, that's foundational is that the Old and New Covenants go hand in hand and you need both. On the flip side is that... Um, you cannot understand the Old Testament without Jesus and that Jesus really comes along and in many ways reinterprets the Old Testament. He fulfills it and he inaugurates a new covenant. And so there is a game changer moment going on in the life, death and resurrection of Christ uh, that is later spelled out by Paul specifically. But so we're going to talk about both both those realities. So Ken, let's start with the that first point is, um, talk first about the Old Testament and how that helps us uh, understand the New Testament. Yeah, so I think um, when we when we begin to think about the Bible, if we can keep in mind that it's primarily a narrative, it's mm-hmm. a story. And so you would expect in, in a story, as opposed to sort of a timeless philosophical, you know, treatise or something that just gives you information. Yeah. Now, this is a story, so you expect to get some information at the beginning of the story mm-hmm. and some information that unfolds later in the story. And you would expect to be a little bit confused yeah. at the beginning of the story because you don't know how it's going to end up. Um, but you would also understand that you can't come in in the middle of the story or the middle of the movie or whatever, you know, the mm-hmm. narrative might be and understand who, what's going on. Like, who are these characters? Why are they in this situation? What's the problem they're trying to solve? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't understand that if you didn't watch the beginning. So if we think of the Old Testament that way, I think, you know, it's setting the stage with kind of who are the characters in mm-hmm. this unfolding drama of our salvation history um, and, and what are the problems that they're facing. Um, it, it's a lot like, uh, reading the question yeah. to which Jesus is the answer. If I just start with the answer and you don't know what question has been asked, mm-hmm. you probably won't follow along. So even things like, you know, the fact that we refer to Jesus as Jesus Christ, you know, Christ is not his last name. It's a title. What? <laughs> so, 
Um, right there, you've got the whole a whole chunk of the Old Testament in that because Christ means yeah. anointed king. Well, king of what? Yeah. You know, anointed for what? And so, you know, the fact that you've got a whole history of the kingdom of Israel mm-hmm. and the hopes that went along with that and then how those hopes fell apart and it utterly failed. Yeah. And yet there was an expectation that somehow that kingdom would be renewed and brought to a whole new level, even uh, superior to what it had been in the past. Mm-hmm explains why he's called Christ. Yeah. You know, so that's just, you know, one of the many ways that we see we can't really understand what we're reading in the New Testament without the backstory. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, a great point is that first you got to start off with the Bible is a collection of stories. It is a narrative that has a certain flow about it that is leading uh, to a certain place. And Jesus is ultimately the the climax of the story. And uh, But if you don't understand the beginning, uh, then it's really difficult to fully realize um, how important it was for Jesus to come. And so I always tell people, you know, for me, my affection and, and devotion to Christ uh, grew immensely once I really started to understand and study the Old Testament, uh, because it's there where you start to fully realize uh, who Jesus is and what he came to do. When you start to understand uh, the magnitude of sin and our separation from God, and then you start to understand uh, even a book like Leviticus, which is very weird, and that's where most people stop reading their Bible. But when you start understanding the sacrificial system and the high priest and the day of atonement and them um, sacrificing animals for the atonement of people's sins and, and all the rituals that were involved with that, that can seem very odd. But then you get to the the New Testament and you read in like in the book of Hebrews about how Jesus is the fulfillment of everything. He is the tabernacle of God. He is our high priest who intercedes on our behalf. He is the sacrificial lamb who has taken our place. He is our mercy seat. Uh, He is all of these things. And once you have a foundational understanding of the Old Testament, all of a sudden you realize like Jesus is way more incredible than we could have ever thought. Like, Yes, he died on the cross for our sins, but then you start to realize what that really means and what that really accomplished. Uh, You can only know that by understanding the Old Testament and the full problem. So let me let me get there with you. You know, as we read the Old Testament, basically there is the setting of the stage that humanity and God's people, Israel particularly, have a reoccurring problem. And Mm -hmm. what would you say that that problem is? as we're kind of reading through it. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's striking to me that, uh, the, the old Testament as we know it was, was written over, you know, thousands of years, mm-hmm. but it was ultimately compiled together, um, into the form that we know it when Israel was in exile, mm-hmm. you know, when the nation, um, had been destroyed, the temple had been destroyed, the kingdom had been destroyed. And so, um, you're, you're, you got a group of people who everything that they love has fallen apart mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're trying to make sense of it, you know, by looking at, at their story. And so, um, at, at every level, really the old Testament is describing the magnitude. It kind of starting from the very beginning of, um, you know, the book of Genesis talking mm-hmm. about a, a break in the relationship between humanity and, and God, mm-hmm. um, that we were created to be in his image um, and to be in oneness of unity in relationship with God. Um, and, and that's becomes broken 
Mm-hmm. And because our relationship with God is broken, then our relationship with one another becomes broken. And so it's both about a break in, in true worship and about a break in justice yeah. and in right relationship. And so, um, and that plays out just in many different levels, you mm-hmm. know, at, at the individual personal level, at the family level, you see brokenness in families in the Old Testament. Um, and, and then at the national level, mm-hmm. like I said the whole political system that we see the consequences of sin and all the injustice to the poor um, and the destruction that comes on a nation. Yeah, and I think that's where, as you start to understand the problem, again, which you can only find in the Old Testament, then you start to understand salvation because what was Jesus rescuing us from? And without the Old Testament, and we've seen this play out in modern day theology is, well, Jesus came to get us to heaven, right? you know, and so salvation has become, say, this three-line prayer, and so when you die, you go to heaven. When if you actually read the Old Testament, that makes zero sense that sort of uh, truncated version of salvation. So as, yeah, as you rightly pointed out, as you read the Old Testament, you see the problem is sin. It's this broken relationship with God that leads to brokenness with one another. Uh, What comes with that is exile, uh, comes from losing out on the promised land, uh, losing our identity as God's people, falling into idolatry, all sorts of kinds of ramifications that come from that. And what you see over and over again is God in the Old Testament making covenants with people, commitments with people, uh, providing a location where they can dwell, where he can dwell in their presence. So you have the the Garden of Eden, um, you have the promised land, you have the tabernacle, you have the temple. Over and over again, God is trying to figure out a way where he can dwell among his people and restore this relationship and heal this brokenness. So you fast forward to Jesus, and as you think about him coming and him being the Redeemer, the Messiah, what the Jews would have had in mind, and as we think about salvation, is it's much bigger than going to heaven when you die, although that will be awesome. But you're talking about salvation in the sense of wholeness, restoration. You're talking about uh, being reconciled to God, being able to have a relationship with him, him being able to dwell in your midst. Uh, having our relationships with one another restored, things like justice and reconciliation with your neighbor. When you start talking about that's why Jesus came, then that starts to make a lot more sense. But again, you can't understand that uh, without the Old Testament, without a thorough understanding of here's the problem. And so therefore, here's why Jesus came. So now shifting gears a little bit. Um, so we we fully acknowledge you cannot understand fully understand Christ, the new covenant, without a thorough understanding of the Old Testament. Now let's talk about Jesus. When he, when he comes on the scene, now how does Jesus help us uh, in terms of fully understanding the Old Testament and understanding God's nature? Uh, what would you say to someone about that? How does Jesus kind of uh, repaint that picture? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the big concerns in um, Scripture and one of the ways that sin gets manifested is this idea of idolatry. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for modern people to think we don't struggle with idolatry because we don't make golden statues and bow down to them normally. At least I but, hope you don't. Yeah. <laughs> right. But if, when we really understand that idolatry is making a, an image, yeah. which starts with an imagination, a mental mm-hmm. image of who God is, um, and that idolatry is when we have any mental image from mm-hmm. any source whatsoever 
um, that doesn't line up with the reality of who God is, then we're when we have idolatry. And in our broken, sinful condition, our natural tendency is to create broken images. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you see in the Old Testament where even as like Moses is up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments, at the very moment he's there and they could still hear the thunder and see the lightning of mm-hmm. God's presence on the mountain, down at the bottom of that same mountain, you see the story of the children of Israel creating a golden calf. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that they were saying, oh, we're going to worship the calf instead of the God on the mountain. They believed it was the God on the mountain. Like they, yeah. That was their image for him, but it was a false image. And so um, I think what Jesus begins to do is he, he comes and he challenges not only the false images maybe that other nations might have developed, but God's own people saying, yeah. hey, y- you guys have made an, an idol, even though you think you were worshiping the true God, you've made a wrong image. And so then he, when he begins to teach things and say things like, hey, you've heard it said, don't commit murder, mm-hmm. but I say to you, even if you hate your brother in your heart, you're, you're liable to the same judgment. Um, he's not is not so much setting aside, of course, the teaching, don't commit murder, that's still mm-hmm. valid. Yeah. Um, but he's saying, like, you've missed the point of that. Yeah, that teaching deeper. wasn't just there to stop you from committing murder, like like inches from plunging the knife into someone, as long as you stop, you're okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. No, like, God is a God of love, mm-hmm. and he's a God of mercy. And if if you want to kill your brother, even if you don't, you haven't really understood the God of love and mercy yet. Mm-hmm. And so he's like saying, I, I say to you, like, let me reveal to you the heart of God yeah. that's behind this um, external commandment. Much like uh, I think a parent can often identify with this. You know, when you, if you've ever had your kids kind of spout your own rules back at you mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, but you said this. And I'm like, well, yeah, I said that, but I said that for this reason. Like, yeah. you've missed my heart in this, and maybe the situation is different now, or maybe you're older now, and think, mm-hmm. you know, and I have a different expectation. Uh, I think Jesus, in in some ways, uh, doing that, he's saying, yeah, you know, you've heard these things, but then you've missed the heart of God, and let me reveal that to you. Yeah, I think that's the big part. So. So on one side, you have one extreme that you might have people who, who completely ignore the Old Testament. And we've been very clear that, that that's not good because that is an incomplete understanding of, of God and who Jesus is and what he came to do. On the other hand, I do think on the other extreme, there can be this idea of uh, where there's no separation of that the Old Testament and New Testament are exactly the same and we almost blend them together. When in reality, when when Jesus came on the scene and he starts addressing certain things, it was much more radical than that. Jesus mm-hmm. was fulfilling the old covenant and he was bringing about a new covenant. Yeah. Uh, that is very clear. And that's what made people hate him. You know, yeah. Jesus came along, you know, you just mentioned it when Jesus says, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I say unto you, do not even have lust in your heart. He's referring to the law of Moses. He's reinterpreting the law of right. Moses, which you don't do. Like, <laughs> you don't touch the law of Moses. Like, right. that probably aggravated people, that Jesus is taking that to a deeper level. Uh, Jesus uh, even breaks the Sabbath day according to their traditions and rules for the religious leaders and the Jews of that day. 
And that frustrates them. And Jesus says, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. Yeah. That was controversial. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. he, he was uh, reinterpreting the Old Testament, the Old Covenant through himself. Uh, later on, even more controversial, he's with his disciples and they're celebrating the Passover. And he takes the bread and he says, you know, do this in remembrance of. And I'm sure all the disciples were thinking, we, we know what this is about. We've been doing this since we were kids. We're doing this in remembrance of the Passover where the blood of the lamb saved us from the, the, the plague that killed all the Egyptians firstborn. Like we know what this is all about. Right. And when Jesus took the cup, he said, do this in remembrance of. They were thinking, yeah, that's the blood. That's the blood that saves us, the blood of the lamb. But Jesus says, no, do this in remembrance of me. Like that was crazy. <laughs> and I don't think people fully appreciate right. this, but... That would be like me on uh, Christmas Eve standing up in front of my congregation and saying, hey, I know normally we sing Christmas songs about Jesus, but this year we're going to celebrate me and my birthday. <laughs> right. Like everyone would walk out yeah. as they should. Like that's crazy. So Jesus was saying, hey, this thing you've celebrated, the Passover, which you still should celebrate, but now you're celebrating in even a bigger, deeper way that the new Passover has come. So I think we do need to fully appreciate that Jesus was establishing a new covenant. And in doing so, um, he was challenging what you were talking about, some of their idolatry, some of their long-held beliefs that had kind of been warped, so to speak. And not completely their fault, uh, because at that point, they didn't have Jesus. And so what we could say about the Old Testament is that it is inspired by God. It is something we need to read and study. And yet we would say that it is incomplete. It's a puzzle that was yet to be finished because Jesus was coming to complete it. And Jesus was coming to uh, show once and for all the nature of God. Um, I love the verse in Hebrews 1. It says, Long ago God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. But now in these final days he has spoken through his Son, God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He made the universe and everything in it. The Son reflects, God, reflects God's own glory, and everything about Him represents God exactly. So one of the things I would encourage people to do is that, one of the things we see in the New Testament is that Jesus is the full and final revelation of who God is. So when we talk about understanding the nature of God, you actually should start and finish with Jesus. Because he's the full picture, the full revelation, the completed puzzle. That is not to knock the Old Testament. It's just to say that Jesus said, and Paul would later say, that that picture wasn't final. It wasn't complete. Jesus came to complete it. And so Jesus is not only the final revelation of God, he is the revelation of God. And so you really need to start there. And everything we understand about God needs to be interpreted through the lens of Jesus. Right. Which means, uh, you know, I think it's important to stress that doesn't just, when we say interpret through Jesus, it doesn't just mean study the New Testament to understand the Old Testament. It does mean that. Mm -hmm. But it also means like directly, personally relate to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And because he would, you know, the third part of this, I guess, that we haven't got into is he gives the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so um, the Holy Spirit is there to reveal Christ in us. Mm -hmm. And so it's, through that uh, personal relationship, as we seek the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit through the story of Jesus, then, you know, uh, then God is able to reveal his heart directly oh. to our heart. 
um, using the scripture, um, but it's it's through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, and and then that we really get the real full light of what the scripture is all about from beginning to end. Yeah, and I think that's where you know we we go back to the foundational question: is is the God of the Old Testament different than Jesus in the New Testament? The answer would be no. But what we would say is that their understanding of God and God's nature in the Old Testament wasn't complete yet. And so Jesus coming on the scene <clears throat> is completing basically our theology, our understanding of who God is and what God, uh, God's nature is. And so that's, that's the foundation of it. And you're right, the Holy Spirit is given to us uh, to further help us understand who Jesus is, what he came to do, and therefore... Um, how we relate to God. So real quick, this is all very heady stuff, very theological kinds of things, but why is this important that we get this? Uh, what does this have to do with the person who's listening, like in their life? Why does it matter that they understand this topic? What would you say to them? Well, um, for me, as someone who grew up in the church, and I would just speak to those who grew up hearing the stories of the Old Testament, you know, what I find is if, if, if I go back and I'm rereading a story from the Old Testament and I'm feeling maybe even in a vague way, I'm feeling condemnation mm -hmm. or fear or distance from God based on what I'm reading, that that ought to be a red flag for me. That That's become for me a moment where I pause now and I say, Lord, I know you are for me. You know, you revealed yourself ultimately to me on the cross. That's how much you love me. You gave yourself to me on the cross mm -hmm. and, and help me to see this passage in that light and to see myself, in, yeah. you know, in that light. And and often what happens then is I, is I see something in the story that I hadn't noticed before, that I was actually imposing on it yeah. a, a view of God that was making me feel condemned or like a failure or hopeless. When I, when I stopped and I said, you know what, the cross is there and that's how I'm going to view this, then I'll see something in the story I hadn't before. I'm like, oh, no, God's actually like wants to bless me. He mm -hmm. wants what's for my good. And, and, uh, and that same story that was giving me guilt and condemnation can actually be like a reaffirmation of his love for me and his empowerment for me to live above the power of sin. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, for me and for others, maybe like me who've grown up with this story, I think just that practical exercise of, of checking those emotions and, mm -hmm. and, um, and seeking God to help you reevaluate them. Yeah. And I think that's from a practical perspective, this is huge because your understanding of God, your theology about God will directly impact how much time you spend with God and how you relate to God and what you think God thinks of you, just yeah. as you were saying. So uh, to say like, hey, this is kind of a nerdy conversation, kind of heady, but uh, I've met multiple people in my office, counseled multiple people who kind of had an understanding of God as pretty much grumpy most of the time, uh, God who was punishing them, and sometimes they felt unfairly or sometimes fairly, uh, but a very legalistic version of God, very formulaic. And then also um, on the flip side, like, you know, if, if they were doing all these right things, then God should have to do certain things for them. So it was just a very much a robotic understanding of God that is, I think, rooted in a very warped understanding of the Old Testament, but literally has nothing to do with Jesus. And so oftentimes I meet people who have, their knowledge about God is usually based on their upbringing, circumstances, um, a warped understanding of the Old Testament, 
and then they have an understanding of Jesus, but they never talk or meet or really have anything to do with each other. And so practically speaking, you know, the reason this is important is, is what you were saying is that if you ultimately believe that God's nature is revealed through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, then that totally reframes how you understand God. And ultimately, the foundation is now that, hey, the cross proves that God is for me, that God loves me. Um, we don't ever have to doubt that again. Like, that has been made clear. And the resurrection of Christ uh, has fully shown now that we don't ever have to doubt God's power and sufficiency for our life. So just to start from that foundation, that as you relate to God, to know above all that God is for you, God loves you, and that God's power is sufficient for you, that's a great foundation yeah. to start from. And if and if you miss that, um, you're really going to be operating in a way that's going to be very difficult long-term because basically what happens is anytime something bad happens to your life, you either think God's punishing you or God doesn't care. And if you start by being rooted in Jesus and your understanding of Jesus, then like you said, you can immediately kind of combat those feelings and emotions and uh, that will cause you to run to God when yeah. you are experiencing difficulties, not to shy away from him or to think that he's being vindictive in some sort of way. Yeah. And, and then what happens then is that begins to flow out. You know, Jesus mm -hmm. talks about when he's present, it becomes like a living river of water. Mm -hmm. It begins to flow out into your other relationships. Yeah. So as you begin to see God in the light of Jesus, then you're, you begin to be able to treat others mm -hmm. in that way. So uh, instead of kind of feeling like you have to demand of others that they fulfill your laws or whatever, yeah. You begin to be able to give life, whether it's to your spouse, to your children, to mm -hmm. your friends, your coworkers. You begin to have this freedom to give forgiveness, to give life to others, because that's what you're receiving on the yes. inside from your relationship with God. Yeah, I think that's huge is, is if you treat God as an object, it's very easy to treat people like an object. Or if you think God views people as objects to mm -hmm. be manipulated, used or whatever, disregarded. Then again, it's very easy for you to treat people as objects. So again, your your theology not only impacts your relationship with God, but what you're saying, it also impacts the way you treat other people. And so again, if you're from a foundation where all people are made in the image of God and Christ so loved the world, he gave himself for us, that's going to reorient the way you see other people um, and the way that you treat them and the way that you understand it. And so one of the things I'd encourage the listeners to do is, again, is read the Gospels, be a lifelong student of Jesus, and read the Old Testament. Um, but now you're reading it through the lens of Christ um, and how that's going to shape the way you understand and interpret it. And then also, when you read the Old Testament, it's going to help you understand even more who Jesus is and what he came to do. Um, well, I think we are out of time, but I appreciate you can come in and uh, sharing with us. If, if someone wanted to contact you or get more information about the church or uh, just wanted to kind of talk with you more about this topic, uh, what's a great way for them to, to reach you? Yeah, you can email me. It's Ken, K-E-N, at FraserUMC.org, or just go to Fraser.Church and look on our staff page. You'll see contact information for both of us. Well, again, we want to thank you uh, for listening to this podcast. We appreciate you joining us and hope you can uh, be back for the next one. God bless you.